From coast to coast, it's the time of change in Indie Ball. Find out the details this week on the Indie Ball Report podcast. Back again, 257 episodes in, we have two people here that are supposedly interesting to listen to. I don't know about that, but that's the rumor yeah, around town. Not sure how I feel about that, but yeah. sure, man. Why not? Yeah, All I know is we got great feedback on the last episode. I think that's more Mike carrying the show. I was going to say, I don't know if that's us. <laughs> look, all I know is we gave bulletin board material two weeks ago and that was confirmed last week so what are we going to do this week uh do our very best to stay off everyone's shit list should i be cursing this early in the pod that's what i I try not to let them know what they're getting into that's what i say and more importantly you set out an unreasonable goal you think we're not going to step on toes that's what we do here how there's yeah. we have a New Jersey story on here, an organization we spent the past six months bodying repeatedly. And you think things are gonna go well? Mm. No, no, I don't. You're right. Fair enough. It's yeah. been a weird week. It really like, has been. You know, like because it's kind of like you got good vibes, but you also got bad vibes all the I don't know. Indeed. Mixed, Indeed. It has. Positivity mixed in, I feel like when it's like a really busy week of off season, like high drama, it's so much of it tends to be negative that it, you leave the episode kind of like, oh, damn. Could yeah, but better energy that you've entertained and somewhat informed. I mean, it's basically the current American news cycle. You never leave oh. going, you know, I feel good about the outcome of the world. Instead, you're like, Should so I'm going to die. <laughs> yeah. So that was a nightmare. Indeed, it was. And we'll get around to that teamwork situation in a minute. But I guess we should start with like the main thing, which is Gastonia has a team again. Didn't have one yeah. for like 10 seconds there, but now they do. Litigation is ongoing, but uh, we have new ownership in there. So let's break that down. We'll go through the basic details and then give opinions on it. Wednesday, team was announced at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, I liked how not even 10 seconds into the presser, a microphone fell. Love that for them. It was beautiful. Yeah, See that other thing? Not the best of omens, but yeah. I mean, the rest went better, which is in good. Fairness, sometimes it's like, oh, that's how this whole thing is going to go. It's in like, fairness, oh, the mayor caught that mic, though. That was impressive. I like the reflexes. The reflex is like a kitten, my man. Exactly. For a dude that looks if like he's only, in his 50s, I think that's pretty good. Just, just snatched it like he's Spider-Man. If, if only city employees had read the room faster on the prior ownership group. But yeah, no. A good time is saying to show fast reflexes, yeah. Mr. Negative there. My God. Terrible. What's positive is they have good ownership now in Zoyer Sports and Entertainment. They're going to own and operate them. Uh, ZSE also owns five ECHL teams and a marketing firm, so that's probably a positive thing there. And yes. it seems like all their ECHL teams do well. I believe it was episode 246. We went into a whole deep dive on this. Most of that, I believe, was left in there. If not, it's an extra that's sitting on my computer that I have to edit and then send to Ryan for him to upload. But, you know, that's uh, those are semantics, really. I feel like we did discuss it. I think we kept that in. Yeah. I feel like I did. I just don't, I don't I, know. I remember listening to it and being like, wow, yeah. we talked a lot of hockey. <laughs> yeah, just like we're still waiting on your team pick. But, you know, that's 
That's We've been busy, man. We're, we're, we kind of had it as like the, we'll do it when the off season's dead, but it's just been such a busy off season. Yeah, and then we were like, oh, we'll do it during the Q&A and never got to it. No, we didn't. Well, we had a lot of Q&A questions, so we're, we got good problems. Exactly. You know, it's like We got problems, but we got good ones. Exactly. But exactly. we got problems. Yeah. In any case, Andy Kaufman's leading this venture. We talked about him a lot, too. Seems like he knows what he's doing. I also liked in the press conference said he's going to be taking on all these debts, paying all these debts. I'm pretty sure that was part of the deal anyway, but like still, to at least openly on record say, 100 pennies on each dollar owed. I like to hear that that's at least taking accountability for a situation that's not necessarily his fault. Really, actually isn't because, you know, he tried to buy this team once, didn't get approval, and now he's bought it this time. The lack of approval, I should say, is past ownership, not willing to sell. Not like, we're not going to let you. It's more like, you can't buy a product that's not for sale type of situation. And now supposedly spent seven figures on this thing. But, you know, we'll see if that's a good investment over time. Any like case, a, uh, like so that was possible. compared to what it could have been, if I'm honest. I mean, yeah. I, I got to look it up, but it seems like this, he, he bought it at a good time. I, I mean, you can't imagine. It's not like they had any leverage. You can't I mean, buy any lower than this. Yeah, exactly right. So, and also notably from the league, they're not going to make any money on this league fee on this purchase. All that's going towards debts, apparently. Now, do I believe it or not? I don't know, but that's the word from Rick White. We'll leave that be. If you want to check out the press conference and one of the show links, by the way, you can go ahead and check that out. Uh, Brady Salisbury, guy that we have talked highly about in the past and potential future guest. I don't know, maybe. Mm-hmm. Keep your eyes out for that. Uh, he will remain, or actually gets a promotion, in fact, to become the GM. It appears the coaching staff also will return. At least Gazzo and Chuck Stewart are back. I believe they also mentioned Fisher's going to be back, too. Uh, so that's all positive there. So that tells me that it's not a city problem. It was really just an ownership problem. But we already kind of knew that was the situation yeah, on the ground. Kind of putting that together, huh? Yeah, exactly. I don't think it really took Scooby and the gang to figure that out. Um, uh, well, definitely took local media more than it should have which i haven't let that go obviously so yeah so, I was so just if you're say, wondering like, has ryan let it go i, I haven't i keep watching those eng packages too i'm like so who did the original reporting on that it's like that goose meme i i mean i'm i'm okay not being credited every single time but sometimes i'm like there's a couple of reports out there that have like literally only used my reporting like i haven't even i'm just like Okay, sure. Like at the bare minimum, at least use independent journalists have. Well, yeah, it's because they don't take us as real journalists. But I was like, well, then, then if I'm not a real journalist, would I beat the brakes off you when it came to reporting something around town? But hey, you know, me and Charlotte metropolitan area reporters uh, are just going to have beef. Is what it is. I don't know why we're not considered journalists. I mean, this is a very serious podcast. Uh. I mean, whatever you need to feel, man. They also have the city's backing this time. Yeah, thank God. Well, technically they did last time, but I mean, the rumors constantly guessed in here that there was some sort of pre-existing relationship with uh, with Brandon Bellamy and the, the mayor in town, which I don't know if that was valid or not, but enough people mentioned it where I was kind of like, huh, I wonder if there was some favoritism showed and not enough looking at the books and asking questions about things like liquidity. Um, yeah, I mean, this one, so from what I've heard, this ownership group has been, they, there were a couple of ownership groups at play and the city sort of had a deciding 
voice in which ownership would go with. In fact, it sounds like the league almost wanted to go one way. And yeah. the, the city was like, no, like we, we own these guys I, based on, I think experience was what was sort of pointed to. So that's, I mean, hey, it's good in that there's more accountability too, because it's like, hey, you know, people voted for you and you, you've selected these people. So if this goes sideways, you know. Fingers swirly pointed, that's two strikes on you. Right, exactly. I will say too on the experience point, because the only other piece of real news note on this is that uh, new ownership will get access to the ballpark on February 20th. Legal battle is still ongoing, but I mean, like, I, it feels like a prayer. They have nothing. Yeah, they have nothing. Yeah, it's like you, once you start not only declaring bankruptcy and not filing all the bankruptcy paperwork, by the way, they still have to right. show the restructuring Ridiculous. paperwork. They have not done that yet. But besides that, when you can't pay your bills and your expenses, and I would assume that the Atlantic League was not so stupid as to just warn them over the phone or warn them just like in person, but in fact, like sent emails and written notices, you know, paper trail this. Once you have that already established that, look, they were violating the league terms. They were violating the terms of the city. They weren't paying anything. It makes it a lot easier to just be like, hey, look, they weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing. We had to get them out of there because they were damaging the integrity of multiple parties. Uh, it wasn't any sort of a collusion deal, which is essentially what it boils down to. But it's it's not even really a major concern, I don't think, at this point. Uh, but to swing to the experience point on this group, the thing I like about it is if you look at most of their properties, it's Jacksonville, Florida. Savannah, Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia. Mm-hmm. You know, these are all Southern markets. Now, North Carolina is different from Florida and Georgia. Don't get me that mistaken. But at the same point in time, there is some cultural similarities there. And that tells me they know how to kind of target that audience and target those kinds of groups. Likewise, also having these other properties in there, such as the 32 degree marketing, tells me that, all right. We have people that know how to promote the product and promote the agenda and the the image we want to that community and relate to that community, which I think is the utmost importance here because that's not a particularly large ballpark. So you really can fill it fairly easily if you know what you're doing. But more than all of that, more than just a business angle of it, rebuilding the trust in that community is really what's a paramount concern here. So having people familiar with the culture probably helps in that mission yeah um and we kind of dissected the ownership as you said yeah. in a prior conversation so we won't harp on it but it definitely does feel like a more qualified group uh, they've done this before which was a key difference to see right off of that and yeah i mean the southeast you know there's a lot of variation between but this they have succeeded in similar markets and mm. Yeah, that's it. And and I think we've talked a lot on ownership as a whole across the leagues, raising some eyebrows at times when it comes to like who they are and what experience they have. And are we just giving teams to people so we can expand? And this feels like an educated choice to the point of it almost feels like a correction of a prior mistake. So yeah, uh, a lot of optimism from the community. And this is a community that, I mean, I was, you know, I was in that initial reporting where I was really, really in the weeds on like Facebook comments and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, this has been a very negative environment around this team. Even frankly, 
I went way back before any of this was an issue, the the finances. You just like off the bat of the team coming there. I think there was a lot of I think the team all right, well, there's two things so which I'll say as a positive. So uh, this has been a very positive start. The the all the comments I've really seen have been good and, and encouraging and see, like a lot of people are on board, which is great. Um part of that is because, you know, it's a good start. It's a good ownership group, seems legit. They're doing, you know, right by the community to start here and the people who are owed things from the prior ownership. On the other, I do think the stadium was not a decision the new stadium in, in the center of town was not a decision that a lot of people were happy with. Uh, a lot of the taxpayers in particular were happy with. So I think a lot of their feelings were taken out on prior ownership, not saying that that caused anything. I think they would have failed regardless. Uh, I think. So let's not be like, Oh, it was the fans. Yeah, who if you could sell ownership. it well enough. It wasn't that. Yeah, that yeah. was not that it was, there were negative vibes, but that was salvageable. They just didn't do anything to salvage it. Um, However, I'm really confident that now with this new ownership group, there's sort of a vibe of like, well, the stadium's already here and paid for. We didn't do it for these people, but they are here now to make sure that stadium doesn't go to waste. So it kind of flips it on its head. And all of a sudden, it's not these people who we had to pay a bunch of money for the stadium so they would come here. Now it's the people who are coming there to make sure you don't waste the stadium that you've already buried a bunch of money into. So the energy around it is just a lot better even before you take into account that the ownership seems to have gotten off on the right foot here. So across the board, man, a big win for baseball and Gastonia, which is great. They needed that. And I'm happy for all the people there because they definitely deserve it. Yeah. It feels like they're just way better put together. And also looking at this 32 degree marketing as well. One of the uh, companies they've worked with in the past is actually the Charlotte checkers, the AHL team that's in that yeah. area. So that also kind of inspires some confidence there as well as the American cancer society as well. So, as far as anything else is concerned, the way I guess, Tony, like we said, on, on 246, it was that we really went in depth on the ownership. So I don't think we need to go too far over it. Uh, any other real thoughts on the matter there? I mean, we went pretty well in depth, I think, just expressing that. Honestly, it's a pretty optimistic outlook as of now for at least as optimistic as you can be from one press conference. That's 25 minutes long. Yeah, I mean, let's not get carried away, but I agree that this is this went as well as it could. So yeah. it seems like we're going in the right direction. I'm encouraged by the fact that uh, people have stayed on. You know, Brady Goose, uh, having met that ownership, they had every opportunity to walk away. They've decided to stay. I think that's a good endorsement. They they have seen all this from. They have every right to be tired of this. <laughs> yeah, and it seems like they're still. You know, they're willing to to give it a go with this set of owners which i think is a, a big yeah. seal of not seal of approval but it's a big uh indicator that this has good potential yeah. if they're willing to stick it out there's something worth sticking out for right exactly right yeah uh speaking of sticking things out we go to new jersey because they have a hard time getting anything to stick over there I'm going to go hard <laughs> on them because ryan already took care of our negativity bit last time so i get to be negative now oh that's okay fun. Yeah, Bobby Jones is our manager. Uh, this was pretty quick. It seems like it came out of nowhere. I don't think too many were really expecting Bobby to up and leave. Uh, if you want to be the new manager of the New Jersey Jackals, well, indeed, there's an opportunity for you because if nice. you're not going to look at teamwork online, where you know most people would find their staff hirings in the sports world, 
you could just go to Indeed, the regular job posting site, because the Jackals have an on-field manager opening there, because that's where you find uh, your managers naturally. I, that's where you find the best. I'm sure that's how Mike Pinto got the job in Joliet. He probably hopped on Indeed and saw the posting there and said, what the hell? I'll throw my app out for that. Uh, you know, I, I guarantee you that, even though we literally heard how this happened last week. But, you know, whatever. Bobby left. Uh, it's a situation. Ship. I mean, yeah. we have confirmation all over the place that he he was essentially the manager. It sounds like it wasn't going to be announced because the optics of that are weird. Because one, they never announced PJ was really leaving, and then yeah. uh, Bobby. There, there's sort of the weird mentality that Bobby coming into manage is a demotion because he was doing operations, but like not really. I don't think yeah. I'll read it like that. If you're coming in to like fill a, a hole, like it's kind of like you're saving the day. So I don't, yeah. I don't know. That's necessary to feel that way, but I, I think there's some of that uh but yeah so yeah, and those why, two roles also run kind of concurrently to each other they're kind of parallel positions in my mind because a lot of times yeah. you see like the same person hold both roles so it's not like it's one's higher than the other i mean if we're going to get in the weeds about operations probably outranks manager but yeah that's also a case-by-case -case situation here like sure let's be real if you have an experienced respected manager in the dugout you're going to have a lot more say over whoever's named baseball ops, right? That's it. It's technically in the, in the chart. Yeah. Baseball operations above manager, but if, if there's a lot of managers out there where if they don't like that baseball operations person, then they can get a new baseball operations person. Yeah. And if the baseball ops person didn't like the manager, they're stuck. So, yeah. you know, the power dynamic is not necessarily reflective of the org chart. Yeah. Look at that corporate. Did it. You need good synergy inside the organization to Corp have optimized results. So hard, dude. Look, what I need to see what our Q2 growth is in comparison to respectable companies of our size. I mean, corp <laughs> when, you, when you think of this pod, you think corporate professionalism. So, that's people what they want. Yeah, actually, that's what it is. It's Indie Ball Media Corporation. So, you know. Oh, my God. <laughs> Coming to a stock exchange nowhere near you anytime soon. Oh, well, we couldn't because of legal legal ramifications of that. But we'll talk about that on another show. That would be my I true like crime podcast. Dissecting my own financials. Oh, oh really? nice. Damn, it was right there. I completely blew past yeah. it. Uh, uh, you were saying, though, it's not necessarily demotion. Yeah, I just it's not necessarily that. And... Uh, there was some thought of like because there was an announcement like was he really the manager like yeah he was like there were league meetings he was involved like that that was done um it, it just something happened now there, there's conflicting it, there's just not information out there I, i'm close to it in some ways and like miles from it in others so i know that there was discussion of transactions sending people to charleston that wanted to follow pj to charleston uh who obviously managed jersey last year that that's sort of a it's not that dynamic between when a manager leaves and like what do you do with his guys that some organizations will just be like go where you want um others will sort of try to get in a bit of a negotiation out of it it just depends on what the vibes are i i it's a little unclear what ownership wanted with that but it does sound like Bobby was okay sending guys to follow PJ who wanted to follow PJ to Charleston. 
Now it's unclear if that was the straw that broke the camel's back or he became okay with it once it was clear he was leaving. That's all up in the air. So there's still a lot of questions around what happened here. And and the intrigue of, I mean, the the one is to jump at the job opportunity. You say like, let's talk about this. It's in early February, the season starts in like two and a half to three months. Like what are they yeah, going to do here? Training camp is, is April 27th. It is worth like, let's resist the temptation to not at least look back and keep dissecting this. Cause that is one of the most fascinating stories. I think I've seen such start covering any ball is just the manager with that long of a relationship with that ownership. Just being like, now nah, I'm out. Like that must have, you assume it's been building for a long time, but yeah, that's something. Because these guys go back to Sussex County, Dorso and Sussex County brought them over there. And it, I don't, I don't want to speak out of turn because I don't know for certain, but it always felt like the kind of situation where we really need New Jersey to do well. This is a big gamble on our part. And it would really, really help to have you involved with that early on. And so if you can move from, Sussex to New Jersey full time on it, it could really help out. And I don't, it was my understanding Bobby was big on it and wanted to be part of it. So that could just be his insistence on it. It could also be he was asked to do it and he had no problem with it. It could be a variety of different things. But to be willing to make those kinds of moves and then after one year with this, you know, new team, I use that lightly, same ownership structure. To then just kind of be like, oh, early February, gone, done. Whether that's his own decision or a decision being made for him is still very odd. And I know it's earlier really on, weird. yeah, and, you know, we mentioned a little bit earlier on that, you know, it was never formally announced. So it was not shocking. It still is, if you're, you know, like you said, working with the league on a lot of things here. And just because it isn't announced, I mean, that sounds more just like, oh, the Jackals marketing is at it again. You know, another mistake by them. <laughs> I mean, like, as I said, communication. I, exactly. It's the only thing they need to hire, but they yeah, clearly well. refuse to do. Instead, you could just have your owner send off, you know, shots at both your old and new fan base to the press. That's also a decision you could do. But, you know, how whatever. can I burn the most bridges today? Just Precisely. staring, staring out over Gotham. <laughs> Same energy. Really? It you're not wrong there. And it's like that's part of the reason why like I hype up and probably, you know, make a mountain out of a molehill on the indeed thing, because it's really not a big deal. It links to the teamwork post anyway. And we were discussing off air a little bit. It it just sounds like someone was given the task of, hey, post the job opening. And they didn't really think anything of it. They're just like, Oh, okay, yeah, we'll just toss it on Indeed and all the job boards. Why not? Right. It's not really that big of a deal. It's just kind of like, wow, look at this, this is different. And I mean, if you really wanted to be given the benefit of the doubt, you'd be like, well, look, if you want to look for an unconventional candidate, because all the conventional candidates have already probably found their landing spot for the season, this is a great way of doing it. Now, that's really stretching it for them, I think. But it's still one way of looking at it. I more or less made a big deal out of it just because, like, look, it's just a symptom of the problem that's existed, which is just consistently not doing things the right way. And it's not like all of them have simple solutions or simple answers. There's been a lot of problems that are complex or at least compound issues where you can't solve them one without creating another, or at least there's no right way through it. There's just the way that gets you through it. Fine. I'm willing to bend a little bit on a lot of that. But then there's other things that are just sloppy, that are just mistakes from like 
the very beginning, right? The parking was one of them. The way the field was laid out was part of it. The outright way that they talked about, you know, like their own organization talks about them and talks about their problems. These are self-inflicted issues. And like the Indeed posting is just like, oh, okay. So unless you're trying to get cute with this, it was just a mistake. And you never thought like, oh, maybe we should fix that. And now either online, you haven't seen, you know, the kind of community that would be going to your games and following you online, flaming you for it, or you just don't care that they're flaming you to it. Which, if it's the latter point, I kind of give them credit, you know? Keep doing your own thing if you think that's right. But I like love it's Spite. Same, yeah. We've talked about Spite a lot on the show, whether it's Oakland or Lexington. Spite's a common theme. Oh, well, you have me as a co-host. It's going to come up a lot. Fair enough. But yeah, it just it's just like there's common issues that could be solved by just doing a little bit of due diligence, it feels like. And you know, I just I'm almost at a loss for words because like we've said it all before, and at a certain point it's just being mean, it's not being, you know, constructive, which I like to avoid that when possible, right? Like every once in a while it's kind of fun to do that. But at this point, it's just like, all right, let's clean up the mess and let's get this working right. It's only fun for so long to be able to point and laugh at a situation. Now it's concerning. Yeah, as I bought my microphone for the second time in a couple minutes. That's on me. Sorry about it. Um, you only heard the second one, not the first yeah, one. So yeah, well, ratted myself out is what it is. Accountability. Um, tell your friends. I, so I spoke to somebody from the Frontier League uh, mm-hmm. uh, because I was tweeting about this and I got some attention. And it, it's one of those ones where that you get a DM about from the league in the middle of a run like that, and you're like, oh, <laughs> this could this be a burn bridge. This could be a, a burn bridge. And uh, but no, it was a good conversation to talk about, you know, um, the right and wrong way to do things. It's not like me personally talking about the organization, and and I did explain. It ended up being just friendly, not even really about what I was saying. So it turns out it's not all about me, crazy. But um, but I did I know, mention. I, I can't understand it. Something that I'll I'll say here, which is, yeah, we'll dunk on some teams like we were hard on a few ownership groups and have been and will continue to be. But it is not because we just want to sit around and make fun of teams or trying their best. When we single out a team, it's usually a team that is like not giving their best effort or like completely misguided. And by doing so, it's starting to hurt others. And the great thing about indie ball and the reason you and I, I think are so comfortable collaborating on things, despite the fact yeah. that we're one of or two of only a handful of indie ball podcasts out there. Um, and the fact that, you know, we've always been comfortable collaborating and that I'm, you know, cool promoting other stuff is a rising tide across indie ball. A rising tide will raise all ships. The problem is one bad ship will make the whole fleet look bad. Um, the, the idea of indie ball is still so, um, hard to pin down and so many people have a negative men- uh, idea of what indie ball is every day of sloppy work can be a day that we seal in someone's mind what indie ball is and it's trash baseball is unprofessional um so you know i'm quick to call that out when i see it and when i think you're the same way and so yeah. if you're sitting here like wow these guys just dunking on this like situation this like obviously not good situation you know kind of yeah and there but it's not if this was a different situation where you know uh they say you know hell uh pick the monarchs 
had a, a yeah. random change that looked kind of sloppy and we're like what the hell but like there was a good track record of like listening to fans and the doing things the right way and there this is a different conversation this is a wow this is interesting that happened hopefully things are going well whatever but this is one where it's it, this is a, a part of a bigger picture and a bigger mess that i think needs to start being cleaned up or else it's going to start to really reflect poorly on on the league and even the whole of indie ball um the other thing in there which occurred to me talking about the stadium light now is let's not forget so i mentioned it it's important to look back because i think it's still worth investigating what the hell happened here yeah. but let's also look at we've mentioned they were short on time to make this hire and they this is maybe without the time constraint the hardest organization to sign a manager to based on how hard it's going to be to recruit because the field is so janky that's what i was thinking last night this is not a great job to have in and while most people are already on rosters right now or a lot of them the top level guys are already on rosters you now have to find a roster for yourself most of a roster for yourself because they don't have a lot of guys locked in with this uphill battle i mean pj is a guy who's got a good reputation and he couldn't find pitching last year i mean there were some good pitchers i'm not saying anything about the pitchers that that he had but he really struggled to add arms that were solid and could give good quality innings it was just guys don't want to go there man it's hard to find pitching as it is yeah especially early on early on was really bad they got better as it went on that's worth pointing out agreed early on it was really rough and it was hard to break that stigma and that stereotype of bad place to be a pitcher yeah and that's a credit i think to the the recruiting skill over there but i think also but if you look at the numbers offensively that were going up and you look at how people weren't getting signed to affiliated contracts it's it's because you go wow this guy's putting up numbers and then you go and look at the park factories which were not that extreme by the way it's a different thing um but they the (laughs) the you just look at the ballpark I, like i think about how i was at a when i was still entertaining the idea of playing like college baseball i guess and there was a college camp that was like yeah don't just go sending raw numbers to people because like we see through it like uh you know arch if you played archbishop carroll we're not impressed by your numbers i was like it was not in pa like i was not at archbishop carroll where i went to school i just happened to be two states away and they were talking about my high school like people will look at your your field and be like that thing is not legitimate so like if they're looking at that in like low level college of obscure high school fields you saw your I info promise you they're like that is not something we're gonna roll the dice on if we're throwing some cash around yeah no that was i felt i got the vibe that was a rehearsed thing like yeah. i don't think they knew that there's a list him from pa since school archbishop carroll is making an example out of him every time they like redo that field they like bump the fence up a little bit further and the kids just get a little bit stronger it doesn't matter i guess i gotta stay, stay in the gym and do one more set today yeah man it's uh it's a scene but yeah. you know catholic school is gonna catholic school oh the go down that rabbit hole we've done that <laughs> nope 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 so oh, got the yeah, Vietnam summary, it's going to be a long road here. Yeah. It's going to yeah. be not easy and the projections don't look pretty no matter what happens. So 
something to watch. Yeah, that's the thing. And just to go back to a couple of things you said, one, like I said, when we're dunking on teams and whatnot, it is an awful lot like a standards and practices kind of thing when S&P calls <laughs> you in and it's like, look, we're calling you in now so that way this doesn't become an issue, right? Like mm-hmm. we want to bring attention to this so that way you can fix it before we have to do something about it. And it is a matter of making everyone look good because there is a very strong opinion. It, dare I even say it's the popular sentiment that it's a glorified men's league and these guys aren't anybody. And it's like, no, it's very much not that. This is probably across the board anywhere from like high A to like between double and triple A level talent. Maybe not the frontier league. They're probably on the lower end of the spectrum, but you're going to sit here and tell me that the upper end of the American Association Atlantic League isn't like on level with double A or slightly above double A. I'm going to sit here and argue with you all day about it. Now we could argue why they're at level, but still neither here nor there. The point is this is better than what the perception is. We have to keep that as the, uh, as the situation here where the product doesn't fall to the public opinions view of it. We want to raise the public opinions view to match the product is essentially the point of that yammering. But, (laughs) <laughs> and I do think a good Way example. Of, yeah, I do think a good example of like what we mean by all this and what you mean by like if it was you know Kansas City instead of New Jersey, the perfect way to use a real world example is with Sioux City. We went at them a little bit because the stadium thing didn't look good, and admittedly, it really didn't look good from like the way people were talking about it. But we didn't overly harp on them because they had a track record of by and large doing things pretty much right. They had a little spat about the stadium with the seats and whatnot, but we were like, oh, this is an unfortunate situation. Maybe they work something out, but it does look bleak. And that was it. It wasn't overly harsh. It was maybe a little critical, but fair. And I think that's what the striving point is. And whenever we go and we go after you know, a team or a subject, I'd like to think we normally at some point in there give our reasoning for why we believe it, and what could be done to correct it. And we've certainly done that time and time again in the case of New Jersey, where it's like, these are the problems. These are why they're a problem. And here's what you can do to begin to remedy it. Mm-hmm. And obviously it's hard to give a full fleshed out response plan without having you know full access to all the details and the working conditions and situations there. You can't really give a fully detailed uh, report and answer on something without having all the details available. It's just not really possible. So from what we're able to get and discern, that's what we're able to do here. And speaking of the situation, it brings us to the second point, which is the attractiveness, the attractiveness of this job is just, it's not there. The park factor is something. Mm-hmm. There is the thought of trying to get guys to commit to Patterson too is a bit of an issue. There's whatever the ownership situation is, that's a hold up there too. And the fact that it is now February 8th as we're recording this in about five minutes from now, it's going to be February 9th and it's going to come out on February 10th. So the point is we have about 65 or so days until opening day. That is like next to no time to assemble a roster, implement a system, build out your network to be able to fill in gaps and hire coaches, which is going to be an essential part of this all together too. Yeah, so, I mean, for context, if you're a returning manager to the same team and you just now are starting to work on your pre-existing roster that you've already probably kept most of, I would still say, hey, dude, like you're late. What are we doing here? Yeah. Um, this is 
far worse than that. So there's definitely room for concern if okay. you're uh, somebody who is a vested interest in the New Jersey Jackals winning games in 2024. Yeah. And like this is a process that starts what end of November, December normally for starting to get uh, yeah. the, the general together. Yeah. Because it's normally end of October that we see like all the contract options coming through. So right. if you're all and plus keep in mind too, if you wait a little bit and you start like after the new year, like not good. Don't get me wrong. But if you already have a lot of guys returning and you have like commitments from your coaches coming back, and you already have the system in place and you're the guys you go to get guys from are still going to be there for you. You can get away with it for a little bit longer. You yes. can make up for it. it. It's a lot different when you're bringing it. In. And let's also be clear. If the Jackals were to, and I'm just going to throw it out here. I don't think he's going to even be remotely interested in the job, but whatever. If they were to bring in like a Wally Backman or something, that's a much different situation than if you're bringing in a guy like, I really don't want to throw the guy I'm thinking of under the bus, but like, a Jared Edmondson, oh. where this is your first real pro job and you have to establish everything and you're learning the ropes for the first time as the organization is, you really don't want to hop into the situation a mere two months away from opening day. That's like a real nightmare situation because it's going to, at best, be extremely difficult to figure it out and the definition of trial by fire. But <laughs> at worst the way it can make you look is just so bad. And even within yeah. the context of the situation, it's not going to help you out that much just because of the overwhelming appearance of it is going to be bad. So I am a bit afraid of who's going to take this because there is risk from you as a managerial candidate to take this gig. And who are they going to be able to recruit in? Because like you mentioned, all the top tier positions, all the heavy earners are already on a roster. So who's going to be left? Is it going to be a bunch of guys that were like so-so in the Pioneer League and are fresh out of college that we're going to grab? Because if that's the case, it's going to be a long season in Passaic County. Yeah, until New England comes to town. Whoop. Um, I mean, it could be worse, though. Honestly. It could be. You're right. It could be. I, I, already, I went up to New England. I like Jared DeSarcina. I go to bat for them. Yeah. Him, Tommy McCarthy looks good. Liam O'Sullivan just got signed. I did see it. I do love yeah. Liam O'Sullivan. So there are pieces there, admittedly. I still, and I, last thing I'll say on New England, because I don't want to hit them too hard, because I just get the whole spiel about hitting people. It looks a little bit like a Pioneer League team. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. Does. Now there's a lot of time for that to change. They already have done a lot of their homework and they do have a roster ready. And if they were to get like, I don't know, two or three type of guys, you know, give me like one more good starter, one or two solid relievers and another bat or two, I'd be willing to sing a different tune. But that's not quite the case here. Yeah, and, and I think I've said it off the pod before. Yeah. I think they know it too because you know they announced their initial signings in the beginning and like there's some good players but it's like you know not name grab there's not like a star player type of guy who's like led a lineup elsewhere or whatever um who's been like your go-to dog on the mound for a year already um it's though and those guys they announced had been signed for like a month 
So that was the first sign. Yeah, sure. Maybe they were trying to figure out their branding before they started doing announcements, but it does make me wonder it, if they were thinking they were going to have a bigger name come in that they could really, you know, jump off with and it just never happened. I think it's so hard to have a rookie manager with any team, let alone a team that is also in their first year, man. It's yeah. so difficult. Which I'm just gonna say, you say it like they figured out their branding. They have a team name, but they don't have a logo. You know, yeah, merchandise. That's crazy. That's the still happening. Still needs to come together. Yeah, like that's the thing. You're like, that really makes me believe like they were going, okay, we'll be chowderheads. Ran into the legal issues, and they were like, ooh, got an audible, and then they did not have anything ready, and they didn't want to run out some half-assed logo. Which, if that's the case, I will give them credit for waiting. Uh, yeah, make the launch good. You can go do a name and then do the thing. That's fine. I personally would like to see them get the name out, get the logo out, get it all together before Christmas so that way you could sell a ticket package with some merch mm -hmm. or at least move some merch because if it was a good name and a good logo, you absolutely could sell New Englanders on like a winter hat, baseball hat, t-shirt, sweatshirt, something like that. You could have sold that fairly well, but I do wonder what that is. If they hadn't even announced the name, like I would have held off on the name announcement, frankly, right. you know, once you That's had to right. do the rebrand, because you know what this would have been a good opportunity for yeah. is the Spire City Ghost Town move where they did it mid double header. Oh, yeah. I would do like, think about it. It would be an interesting move to say, you know, oh, for whatever reason, we can't do the brand or whatever, or, like we're switching it up. Um, and then just, like, and say you're announcing it before first pitch, like as the players come out. Like that would like do a hype video, a drop, and then like welcome your and like whatever team, and they come out of the dugout and start warming up like for like for, like right at first pitch. That'd be sick. To be fair though, if it was a legal issue, mm -hmm. then you probably want to get in front of that and change and the it name. Kills on your it. momentum, yeah, yeah, and you can't be like you have to change the name for reasons. You we're know, backing down to no name. I, I get yeah. the wanting to go from the name to another name and not a name to no name and then to a name because you want to just move on from this because it's messy. Yeah. And, and I think it was the legal issue. I mean, let's put the cards on the table here. Yeah. Uh, so I think you don't want it to be like they have no name. And then every time it's mentioned, there's no name. You want them talking about your promo, but people are backgrounding it with like, yeah, because these idiots picked a brand that already existed. Now they have a legal issue. Yeah, exactly. And it's just, and I get to not maybe wanting to wait to release the new brand just to keep, you know, some recognition going, keep momentum going on it, right? Like you mentioned one to two to three as opposed to one to three. I do wonder if it's just like, oh, we could go ahead and drop this too and keep the name still like fresh in people's minds mm -hmm. as like the primary motivator. And the last point on New England, because this is really a New Jersey segment, not a New England segment. I derailed it, my bad. But Sorry, Jersey. Yeah, I do wonder a little bit if... Like once the failure to sign a big name came through, or if they were just like, "Hey, you know, we will take our time promoting it. We got other things that are more important than you know promoting players on social media." I wonder if the plan is almost okay. Let's try to build up some faces with the community, guys that'll be here for a few years. Mm -hmm. So if you go more, you know, rookie ball players, like guys that are gonna have that rookie classification that you can hold on to for two, three, four years. Mm -hmm. build them up in the community, see who's good, see who's not. 
Obviously, you got to add Liam O'Sullivan's, Tommy McCarthy's, Jared Racinas. Who are the right guys, by the way? Yeah, most of what I've experienced. Yeah, who are that? Exactly. Uh, You have the culture there. You stay respectable on the field, and if you say year one's going to be tough anyway because we're still figuring everything out and we're scheduling with the with a rock as well. Mm-hmm. And really, it's year two, three, four that we expect to be contenders on the field. We just expect to, you know, have a good in-game experience for fans in year one, and we're less concerned about on the field. I don't hate that decision because then it gives you marketable faces to go for in years two, three, four, and that will make that championship mean a little bit more if you win it in say year three or four, because now it's our guys that won that. They're just not, you know, whoever. These are guys that you saw come in at like 23, 24. They're now 26, 27. And they're winning with you. They're part of the community. It's a bigger, more emotional thing. So I, I You're just, saying I, the long, the slow play. Yeah, use a slow burn to build it up so that way that year that you're planning on being a contender making that deep run, the run will mean more because all the kinks are worked out. There'll be a stronger relationship there. And then that kind of gives you a little bit more leeway for leaner years that will come shortly thereafter. So if you're asking me, do I think that would work? I would, I say, yeah, I think that's actually a good strategy. I think it prevents overspending off the jump. You see a lot of teams jump right out when they join a league win. And then the owner goes, wow, that was expensive. And we really didn't see that much of a, an uptick in income from that. And then things start to go off the rails from there. Um, I, do I think that's what's happening here? I, I do not. I, I think, unfortunately, there isn't that much of a vision. My other concern when it comes to New England is with the brand going on. So the behind the scenes on the baseball operations for most teams, I would say, is uh, at least a lot of teams, but I, I would say most, is the owner and baseball operations talk a good bit because it is a big expense. So obviously the owner wants to know what's going on there. Um, there's conversation about, you know, how things are coming together, what they need, what they're at budget wise, not just up to the salary cap, but up to what they're given by the owner. And and like, there's some back and forth on like, what can be spent? You know, is there any way that the owner can help? Is there any way we can do something like, Hey, can we improve housing a little bit? If it's buying some furniture, if it's fixing up the clubhouse, whatever baseball operations, a lot of give and take when it comes to money from ownership. My main concern is I don't see those conversations happening if they're already having all the conversations that goes into a new team year one, but a team that's still defining its brand and all that. I'm just like, I, I, and this is again, a rookie manager. I'm like, bro, that feels like you're awfully on your own. That's, I do not envy that. I I also wonder if people are asking that question because would the even front office staff know to ask that question if you're used to dealing with, you know, summer ball. You're right, too. I didn't even think about that background piece. Yeah, Yeah, that's my concern. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because if nobody knows to ask the question, then how does it get asked? Yeah, I mean, summer ball, depending on your league, at least does have the roster building component to it. It's not, it may be as much of a culture shock as some other teams where they have, you know, they're going from affiliated where you just like sent a roster. But yeah, yeah man, it's different. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. It makes you, it makes me anxious though on their behalf. 
Yeah, I just I don't know how it works out. That's a, just an interesting situation now. Like I don't want to jump on them either yet, but there are concerning trends. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think that's well said. It's it, it, there is high time to raise some red flags here. It does not mean you know they deserve everyone jumping on them. It does not mean like sound the alarms, but it does say you know hey everything and, good <laughs> and like. When do you make that decision to to launch your brand then? Like, when are you going to? I don't know. Because you lost, like, the ob- yeah, I mean, like, you lost the obvious, like, you know, commercial holiday dates. So, like, what are you going to launch it for now, right? Like, think, I don't think, think, I don't think they did. No, they didn't. They didn't have any merch out for that. The, no, no, there was no the merch. initial brand. Thank God, because. That would have been a real mess if people had already bought merch. Oh have God. to walk that back. But I mean, you there would have been serious legal day. implications then. I mean, like but, you would have been selling yeah. in violation of a copyright or yeah, a trademark. Dude. Yeah, which makes me wonder. The fact they didn't have any merch ready to go makes me wonder. Like, did they know something was going to be a problem? Like, I don't know. Really yeah. interesting. Or like so, it's so fascinating what's going on up there. We, I, I got to start saying some emails because it's dumb that I haven't talked to anybody up there. That's, that's yeah, weird. that yeah. I mean, like it's a very interesting situation there, and like I, I could chalk up to the lack of merch to sell, to straight up like, oh well, we really did did not know who was going to win that fan vote. So once we got a, an indicator, then you know, mm-hmm. then we went from there. Like, which even that though is like that's amateur bro like you gotta know who's gonna win the fan vote i mean a lot of organizations would say what do you mean the fan vote make your own choice you can run the fan vote and then ignore it which i hate to break it to people but very few fan votes fun. actually seem to be yeah legit that's why i didn't even mention the fan vote for gastonia yeah if you want any of the gastonia team by the way they're doing a fan vote. oh that's right yeah <laughs> there's gonna be a lot there. of sarcastic replies <laughs> Uh, yeah. I'm trying to find if there's like an important date for Rocky Marciano in there where they could time it up with. That's one where I'm kind of that brand is where I'm like they could really use a good mascot. So they might. I hope they're thinking about it because there's certain ones where I'm like, you yeah. need all the help you can get. You should shoot that shot. So go down to the, go to University of Delaware, find yourself a new mascot. Those kids will love to do it. They got the program down there. Here's the thing. I found the date they can use to launch this. Rocky Marciano's first career win came with a uh, a knockout of Lee Epperson on March 17th, 1947. So you could do something on the anniversary of that date. Now, I believe March 17th. Isn't that St. Patrick's Day, too? March 17th? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. God, you're so Italian. Uh, what else we got wrong? Are we good on the uh, that topic? Yeah. We really changed gears on it, but I think yeah, we covered. yeah. Let's wrap up the New England and New Jersey talk on the uh, on the note of what day is St. Patrick's Day? We may never know. <laughs> it's <laughs> not like it's an important holiday, anyways. So, you know, it's a leap year times an abstract concept. It's tough. Which that's just like, here's the final point I will say before I give the wrap up point. That's another strike against Hinchcliffe. Like, we all were saying, oh, you know, it's a historic ballpark and Negro League and got a lot of history to it. I'm not going to take that away from it. It is a historic ballpark and there is a lot of good history there and it is important to the game. I'm not taking that at all from it. But the reason why a lot of these Negro League parks are different and have a lot of character is they were never supposed to host baseball. 
Mm-hmm. They were like track and field stadiums, football stadiums, you know, not they weren't designed for this game. They was just kind of like, yeah, we could put a baseball field in there and it's better than not playing baseball. So we'll take it. Yeah, kind of. I mean, we probably didn't give them enough crap about the fact that there's literally a track, like a running track on the field at times, which is wild. Well, there's um, also so, yeah. a bouncy house that's in the field of play. I mean, not technically, but it is definitely strikeable with a foul ball, so that's a vibe. That's a lawsuit waiting to happen is what that is. Not unless you're looking to return with one less kid. Uh, let's wrap up this point here because we spent <laughs> a lot of time in New England and New Jersey. It's a difficult okay, situation to be in. I don't envy anyone that's going to take this job. We'll see what happens. Who knows? I know at least five people that are not qualified that have already put in job apps, including myself for this thing. So, Good Lord. Yeah, that's about right. Um, you would you say in the beginning an unconventional hire yeah <laughs> unconventional hire who could it be now and just start the montage of like just weirdos slow turning to face the camera it's just me scrolling through our twitter followers it's just one amish dude and who's watched a lot of orange Stormers games who's like i think i could handle this he's mailing his in though obviously We'll hold our horses on New Jersey and New England, but we're going to let them go because now we got to talk about the Billings Mustangs and their new logo redesign. How's that for a transition? That's something. Um, yeah, I mean, what do you think? Okay, so I do like it. We'll let, we have a link in the show notes to the thing. It's yeah. Visual take meet. a look. Pause and take a look. Don't okay. pause. Welcome Play back. this in the background. You know no, we're going to talk about pointless. Paused. It's, they can't miss anything that we say. It's very important. That pause was for you. Now you've pulled up the logo. Welcome back. <laughs> yeah, we're going to drop an ad in right there. Let me tell you uh, about... I'm sure I can find a Manscaped strip somewhere. It's a Wild Health Genomes ad. Use code INDY for 15% off your first purchase at SeatGeek. What's what's the ad read? It's just for the job opening in New Jersey. <laughs> Dude. We if I had uh, I still want to go back in there. Yes. So getting back now on topic. So about this logo, as you can see, having now pulled up the logo, I do think it's a nice looking logo. There is some decent, like low-key designs in there. They have the what they call it, the uh rim rocks in the logo. Oh. <laughs> Stop using the word rim. I think we're good for a while. All right. Wrapping up the Billings point because we won't actually take long on it. I do think it looks nice. It's interesting to break away from one that I believe they've used since the 40s. So yeah. it's building off that, I believe, the 75th anniversary design. It does have some local culture to it. Overall, I do like it. I think it's a nice design. I'll be interested to see how the fan base reacts to it. Yeah. Uh, positive reviews on it. I think there's some cool merch opportunities. Uh, I think. It's a good time to revamp for a more modern, uh, like, you know, cowboy western look. Honestly, while Yellowstone's still hot. It's dumb, but it's and it's stereotypical for Montana, but I, I think there's something to it. And when one of the biggest shows on television is so closely related to your brand like that, I mean, it's not a bad idea. So this is my thoughts on the matter. Definitely. I'm looking forward to getting some of this old Montana merch. Cheap. 
Montana. Montana. Now let's go from Montana to the Atlantic League because we got to do a preview. We meant to mention this on the show last week, but we suck at this and we forgot to mention it, that we're going to start doing division reviews. And we may have mentioned that back in December because we were supposed to start doing these in the start of February, end of January. So, yeah, should have done that. We're going to open also, up. Also, yeah. tough timing because this is right as I'm like about to drop a series of videos that's like recapping the last season and the off season. So, like, look at us just doing the same damn content. That's on me. Probably could have uh, thought that I had the calendar. I don't know what I was doing, but here we are. Realistically, we probably should have like a month or bi monthly meeting for scheduling, but. Hey, man, we suck. That's more, is what it is. more work than we're going to put into this. Gotta embrace it. Yep. So let's talk about the Atlantic League North. We're going to review the past year in the Atlantic League North, go through what happened, who met expectations, who failed to meet expectations, who exceeded expectations, if anybody in this division, and uh, we'll go from there. You mean to tell me people are exceeding excessive? Who was exceeding expectations? No, no, you're fine. You're, you're not wrong. It just made me laugh. It was so aggressive out of nowhere. Um, they know what they're getting into. But yeah, how dare they exist before I came into the game? <laughs> the, the old league. Well, it's gonna be weird also to see you know Southern Maryland flip next season. So should true. enjoy it while it's kind of what we recognize here. Exactly. Um, yeah. So uh, best team in the North, if you go by combined record, these are the order. Was York surprising? Seventy-one wins, fifty-four losses. Uh, Long Island sixty-six and fifty-eight. Southern Maryland sixty-four and sixty-two. Lancaster sixty-two and sixty-two. And Staten Island at a ghastly forty-nine and seventy-five. In case you're wondering how that compares to past years, to meaning the year before in twenty twenty-two, uh, York improved the record by fifteen wins. Long Island dropped two wins. Southern Maryland dropped 19 wins. Uh, Lancaster dropped 11, and Staten Island improved by one. So there you go. How about think it? of that? What you will. Uh, first half champion was the Ling Island Ducks. They stole it from the York Revolution, who fumbled the bag mightily down the stretch, mm, and then second half Stormers struck again. So that's the general overview. We can get into team specifics if you'd like, uh, but that is. The general setting of the stage. And in case you're wondering who did what in the playoffs, uh, we know Lancaster won the league, so they kind of had to beat Long Island in the playoffs to get to that position, right? Right. So there we go. I mean, yeah, and this is going to be a just transparent moment here. I'm not sure how you want to do these, if I'm honest with you, because I kind of forget how you usually do these, so I'm not sure what. Oh, there's no details, bro. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, second half stormers are obviously the story. Um, and York getting screwed. Uh, two half system remains broken as anything. Um, uh, I mean, is this it, the second half Stormers thing? Do you think it's overblown, or do you think it's legit? Like this is. I'm always questioning whether this is the model. Like this is what they're going for, or it just happens to end up this way. So, I kind of have this view on it. Like, I think it's somewhat planned. But at the same point in time, because you look at it like this, you know Long Island's there and they're going to load up early on. Mm-hmm. They're going to have their major league guys probably until June. So if you know most of that first half is going to be going against former major league talent and a bunch of quadruple A guys, mm-hmm. why contend with that, right? That on paper Girl. is a tough mountain to climb. Now this year, we'll talk about Long Island. 
didn't quite go that way, although they did win the first half. They didn't look strong really at any point in the year outside of that last ditch run to get to the front, I'd say. So if normally you're going to assume that's not going to happen and they're going to be, you know, the team we expect Long Island to be, there's no sense in that. But if you figure by mid-July, most of these ringers are going to be gone and they're going to be struggling to fill in gaps. Let's just play for the second half, boys. Like, let's let's gear up for that. Now, of course, it's not that simple to build your roster with the mindset of, oh, well, we'll bring our ringers in in July because, you know, guys don't just sit around waiting for three months. But still, I think there's a little bit to it. I do think it's maybe more of a mental thing, but, like, Mm. There is a noticeable. They I mean they swapped the record around, right? They were twenty-five and thirty-eight in the first half, and then they go thirty-seven and twenty-four in the second half. There's more than just like mentality switch there. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and, and I think it also might have something to do with like um, they go in with a lot of known quantities. I feel like fair. They bring back a lot of familiar faces. They seem to have a good knowledge of what they're bringing in. There's not a lot of question marks to start. And while maybe it's not the most impressive roster year to year that starts the year, it gives them like a solid base to build off of instead of a lot of these teams where you find like either they, they make a big swing at it and then maybe someone doesn't pan out or they immediately get signed away, which is cool, but also a problem. Yeah. Or they, you know, just, are like, oh, we'll figure it out as the season goes on. And I think Lancaster kind of shows that it's a unique benefit that comes with knowing who you got, even if you know it, it's going to be more about the climb throughout the year. But you, there's fewer question marks going in. It's just who are you going to find to fill the, the the known gaps. Like you already know what you're going to need during the year. So maybe yeah. that's more of it too. It's interesting. It's definitely a unique yeah. vibe. In fairness to to uh, Lancaster, though, they only lost three players last year to contract purchases. So True. they didn't get hit as hard as they could have. Ironically, or not ironically at all, actually, it's just surprising. Stan Island led the way with four. Uh, actually, and I believe Lexington led the way as well. Yes. If I'm, we're looking at the other division. So how about that? Know. Which... Well, Perhaps hold on, discussion. hold on a minute, hold on a minute. Hold I think they've had a few recently. Hold, I gotta on. hold on, I only had Lexington for two. I can do a double check on my own. But yeah, I'm either here But it is interesting to see Staten Island got it. But Staten Island, I don't know. I, yeah. I wonder about that. I do feel like Staten Island, it's also the type of guy you sign, right? Because Staten Island, one, I don't think thinks ahead enough to think about who is they're going to lose yeah. mid-year. Um, yeah, two, fairness, I think... Yeah, yeah go on. Oh, oh, I was just going to say, I think Staten Island, the type of top guy they can get is not going to be as often the established MLB vet. They'll get some, but they're not getting a Long Island lineup of major leaguers. And then, Fair. you know... Th- but that type of guy, like mid twenties ish, uh, you know, former prospect possibly, or like just a guy coming up who's shown that they can get it done, is also we've seen one of the more likely players to get signed. So I, I think sometimes it's just coincidence. It's not necessarily that they're doing anything above and beyond. But that could be true. I, I, yeah, I, I will I don't say this. Take anything from them, but the only three of the Stan Island signings were in season. So that's for that. Or Segoto, uh, yeah. Wheeler, 
and McGowan were the three for them. Lancaster, I can get you that. I just got to finish typing into the thing. Did I? I made a mistake. There are only two there. My dad is corrupt, and I have to redo that. Life's a nightmare, truly. Yeah, you want to know why it's why it's messed up? Why? Because for Lancaster, I totally forgot that on April twenty sixth, the Rocky Mountain Vibes had a pitcher by the name of Jackson Lancaster. <laughs> That's right. That'll get you. So I was just doing the search there, so I didn't have to dig through a sheep, and I forgot. God <laughs> damn it! Tell I get you. Life's a nightmare. Now I got to check it all over. God damn it. I really thought I could make graphs tomorrow. Oops. Well, in any case, Cam Boozer and uh, Jesus uh, Lorenzo got it. Or Lorenzo. Well, I got to fix do this. The, I guess, I don't know. I Again, it's me taking my first stab at how we do these. But uh, it's... I really thought this Long Island roster was going to be far and away the best one. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, that's a fair transition to go to. It's, it's just, they're on so the only time team, and time again seems yeah. to fall short. They're honestly so the odd. only team in this division where I felt failed to meet expectation this year. Everybody else, I, mm-hmm. because I went back and I listened to the preview episode that me and oh, Will did. That would have been smart. Damn. Yeah. I went back and I listened to it just to check it and be like, okay, what do we feel like? And like Island was the one where I was like, oh, they may win both halves. Like I was really mm-hmm. buying into the train. And they just never really felt like they got it together. Right. Now, is that roster construction? Is that the way they were managed? Is there more to it than that? I don't know. I probably won't know. But what I can say is, that was a team that just off of talent alone should have done better. I mean, they had Daniel Murphy on the team. At one point, they were rocking a whole starting nine of just former major leaguers, something I don't think we've really ever seen before. And they never really pieced it together. So I'm kind of left standing here like, what are we doing here, guys? Like, are we like, are we just not that good? Because you shouldn't have needed the kind of comeback that they had to win it. I mean, you saw when you watched them in the playoff game, they just uh, they that didn't, was something. They had a look like they lost before they. It lost. was the lowest the energy. energy playoff game I've seen in a long time. And again, maybe that's you have a bunch of MLB guys who you know are thinking maybe they'll get picked up, and now it's September and they want to go home, and you know they're catching something. They catch some attitude from the wife at this point in time. They're like, all right. Let's wrap this up. And these, you know, they're not like the Lancaster guys, they're there to win that yeah. title. Like, and while the front office mentality does seem very championship focused to Long Island, I, I do think it's hard to get that. It, you get blinded sometimes. You just want the best guy, the best players possible. But is that the best player for the situation? And I think maybe that bit them a little bit. I really think Wally fell off. I think his interest level seemed to wane hard. I don't know what was going on there. Uh, but it definitely, from multiple sources, just felt like Lou was running the team at that point. Uh, yeah, weird. I mean, I, I pulled it right now. I sorted it by qualified batters in in across the whole league, uh, just by OPS, keeping it simple. They had one batter in the top 10 in the league 
two in the top 30. Like literally their best hitters by OPS were seventh in the league and 29th in the league. Alex Dickerson, Joe DiCarlo. That's crazy. Yeah. And, and so like, like, if you had told me before that there would be 22 qualified hitters in the Atlantic League with an OPS over 900, how many were Long Island? I would have said like five or so. It was one. And I think like part of it is as a team, they weren't even making it up, right? Mm-hmm. Like in the past, we've seen them not have standout individuals, but yeah. as a team, they all did something that was like, okay, we have a couple guys that will get for power. So if we need that hit. We got it. We got a couple guys that will mm-hmm. get on base. So we got those guys. We got guys that can do a little bit of everything and you can Swiss army your way to it. They didn't have that. It was just like a collection of good players that either stopped showing up, never showed up, or just or just weren't what they were expected to be. Yeah, it's true. And just like uh, the thing is too, like I just the last point on them before we move on to something else, like the pitching wasn't even particularly good. Oh, uh, it's exactly where I was going to yeah, go. Yeah, like, that's the thing. Like I even borderline call them a bad pitching team. I think they're borderline on that. Yeah. I may. Possibly more meh because their bats were meh. I mean, that's that's yeah, that yeah. But like when you go meh to bad or meh and meh, that's not really a vote of confidence, but it also kind of explains like, yeah, this that's why that team was eight games above 500. Yeah. And it, looking at it too, I mean, yeah, it's so strange how the pitching really didn't rise to the occasion for them. I mean, they went older on the pitching staff this year. It just wasn't anybody. And that's something though I've noticed. Um, they'll get a good starter, but their bullpen, they'll have one or two guys, but I, I find them and look, I could look at the numbers and prove that this was just maybe in my head from watching games, but it always felt like they had they tend to have some guys who borderline don't belong in Atlantic League bullpens. And I remember the first time I noticed it was back in 2021 when they had that Lexington championship loss where they had a couple guys who showed up late, like out of local colleges who were good. And I remember being like, these are like D2 guys. Like this is kind of crazy. They're doing so well. And then they got into the playoffs and they started a little bit in the first round, but survived. And then they went against Lexington, which had like that ridiculous offense that year. Mm -hmm. And it just got murdered. Like, and it just felt like, well, yeah, obviously. And I just feel like a lot of the time they're pulling some guys out into you know relief roles, which are like, yeah, okay, it's not game on the line necessarily, but yeah, you know, you're gonna need to connect some innings. And this could go, this they open themselves up for failure more than other teams. I guess they they leave themselves vulnerable with the way they construct yeah. the roster. They they're vulnerable to. Guys maybe deciding they're not as invested as you thought they'd be. They're open to, you know, guys getting signed away. They're open to guys just not coming up small. Yeah, I think top heavy is a good way to go. And that's also what happens with a a team that loves to be able to market their players as MLB guys. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the difference between them and, say, like a Kansas City, right? Where Kansas City, they have a lot of talent, but they're deep. Yeah, they'll have yeah, yeah. two or three guys that are like, oh wow, okay, these are these are players, 
but they're also like, oh, wait, this goes deeper with Long Island. And maybe it's just a, a money difference where like the Atlantic League, like, oh, wow, that guy is going to cost you more than the American Association. Like, oh, wow, that guy. But it feels like they are like, okay, these two or three stars we have, like Brett Kennedy, we're going to get him. We're going to get so-and-so. We'll have steady old Joe Iorio there too as the number three guy and we'll figure out the four and the five and as long as those top three guys can each give us seven innings a game it really doesn't matter who's in the bullpen right because with the talent that we have in the starting nine on like 90 percent of the days 95 percent of the days we should be putting up enough runs to where the bullpen can give up three or four and it won't matter yeah yeah i mean I don't necessarily agree with that roster building, but I do see the logic behind it. Um, I've always found it's a, because I have thought about Lancaster's roster construction a lot, because over the few years I've been covering them, they always seem to underperform, and I, just, I can't figure out why. And I do think some of it is the roster, the methodology, and I think not necessarily a, that's a flawed methodology. I think it's a flawed follow through. And yeah. I think it's, they do there's moments where you see they're like they'll get a guy like oh like a, a like a lefty reliever you know when you know you have a lefty heavy team that benefits from you know a ballpark where lefties can crush and that's a team you're gonna have to beat getting a really good lefty reliever in a pinch is a good call or finding guys that are just like you see like little pickups where like oh wow that's like really you know they're playing maybe even some 40 chess in some of these transactions and other times it's like, and here is this like former, you know, prospect that we signed or former, you know, you know, met. And you're like, is that what we needed though? You only have yeah. so much budget room, you know, and it, it, it goes away quick. <laughs> and you just wonder like, you know, if you, if, so if you're paying guys up to between it's like 1200 to th or 3000 a month, approximately for the Atlantic League, like you're looking at it and you're like, okay, if I'm paying that guy 2,800 this month, someone's making minimum instead yeah. of a guy who is going to make, you know, closer to halfway between those two figures, which is usually an above average player in this league. He's just, you know, sacrifices for big names sometimes that I'm, did they need more runs? Like, I mean, I guess the offense wasn't that good, so maybe they did, but at certain points, like, they're what like, we had nine they, MLB guys in our lap today. I'm like, yeah. why? Like, that's the know, thing. Like, you don't need that many. To play I get it from a marketing perspective to, you know, help recoup the money from having nine Facts. MLB guys. But, like, at a certain point, it's like, well, look, we don't need more MLB guys. We need our MLB guys to perform. Mm -hmm. It's like, there like you have it, Dickerson or Dixon was, you know, a good pickup. He did well. Daniel Murphy, good pickup, did well. Ruben Tejada could have been better. Yeah. You That's know, fair. Like, That's your observation. You know, there's a lot of guys you go through the line, you're like, MLB could have been better. Brett Kennedy, good player. But, you know, what else are we doing with that? So, yeah. I, I do think. And I think if Long Island genuinely thought this was a situation, they would bring it up and get this thing changed, which is the half system. I do wonder if winning the first half, when you have such a, a veteran-heavy team and such a MLB talent team, 
if it really, as the season goes on, makes you say, what the hell am I trying for, right? Right. Because, like, mm-hmm. you look at the numbers and I'll have all the contract data stuff out because I have actually just did a quick count and everything. And I had one too many. So that Lancaster mistake now is actually corrected a mistake I didn't even realize was there. So happy accidents. But as the drafting will be able to continue as scheduled. But it's very clear that after July, the drop off is huge for signings. Yeah. The window slams shut almost. Mm-hmm. There's a handful, I believe there were seven. But you went from a month of, I believe it was 12 to 24 in July to then the drop-off to about seven or eight. That's Mm -hmm. a huge, huge drop-off there. And it's largely because MLB orgs don't really need the bodies as much anymore. You have trade Mm -hmm. deadline coming up. They could get prospects to fill in that gap. You already have guys signed from the draft and whatnot. And anyone that's eating innings is already there. So why sign anybody? Now we'll have to do, I have to do a bit of a deeper dive to have more, you know, more cohesive thought on it and make it sound like I'm not talking out of my ass right now, but yeah, at I'm least definitely I'm going to show up with more uh, hard numbers next week. Cause now I'm like, Oh shoot, I really could benefit from this. I'm like scrambling, but exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly where I'm at right now. But like the overall point, at least early on in the analysis here to make it sound way more thorough and scientific than it is, is that if you're a veteran player that's goal is to get back to the show, if the calendar hits August 1st, your odds have dropped significantly close to zero. Mm-hmm. So yes. if you have a playoff spot already locked up, you have no more meaningful games to play until the end of September when the season ends. And your odds of going back to the show are now near zero. You have no incentive to show up and play. And it's really hard to then magically in the end of September, when it's time to play again, flick the switch and be like, all right, time to wake up and play ball again. It really, really is hard to do that. It's either you're in the zone or you're not. And when you're not there, it's hard to get back there. It's one thing if you start off the season slow and you're not mentally there, you can work your way into that. But when you're like at August 20th and you're not there, it's really hard to be like, okay, September 15th, I have to be ready. It's hard. Yeah. And, and to, I, you know, yeah. get up for a playoff game. Yeah. And it's like cold weather in Lancaster, PA. And you're like, I, yeah. It just feels so. Maybe your manager is a little checked out. You're like, hey, yeah. What are we doing? And it starts spreading around. I do wonder that. And like, you get rid of that half system. So that way, you know, you're playing meaningful games through August. Everybody is. Does that mm-hmm. change the equation a bit? If game 115 means something for, you know, 10 of 12 teams, does that change the, the calculus? I mean, it's an interesting idea. I, I'm not 100% on it. Uh, I think, you know, there's certain guys who, if they're not signed, they're not signed. But I do think that, you know, it, yeah, I mean, the competitive juice is, you know, getting going is one thing but also i mean it wasn't a big energy vibe from the team in the playoffs and that's when you figure they'd want to get competitive again and it would mean something there were guys who just struggled and they were like visibly mad honestly you know maybe i'm giving a bit of a i'm coloring it more in my head as a little bit more of a flatter outing than i that really was but you know there were some guys who were some passion but there was other guys who were just like you know it didn't have you know that that desperate 
energy yeah. that a playoff game typically has where you're making some moves that maybe you wouldn't in a regular season game and like, you know, making taking some chances and it just wasn't there. There's was no urgency. Fair. I don't know. But, uh, I, all that to say, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> yeah. This is an idea yeah. I had I want to throw out there. Uh, we have a couple yeah. other teams that I do want to talk about though. So yeah, unless sure. you have anything more you want to go on with the two no, L teams, then, you know. Yeah, no, I'm good to to move right along. Where you want to head next? Honestly, I, I think the the immediate thing that comes to mind mind is, was it a good year for York? First year, Rick Forney, seventy one wins, blew it down the stretch there, and then they mm-hmm. kind of fought to get back into it, but then they just quite couldn't quite get it done. You know, in state rivalry beats the out War of Roses really meant something this year. Mm-hmm. You know, I I like what I saw out of York. I think I've seen a lot more life out of them than, say, past years, even if it never felt like there was overwhelming force. I know in the second half for me, I looked at it and I was never like, yeah, this is it. But you look at the record and you look back on everything and you're like, oh, there's only three-game difference. I mean, 37 and 26 versus 34 and 28. It's not like that drastic of a changeover, right? So they clearly weren't that affected by the way the first half ended. It's just they got beat up by a really hot uh, Lancaster team. So, like, I can't quite hold that against them, right? Yeah, I mean, my concern would be, you know, new manager. You expect a slow start, but the cooling down the stretch wasn't great. They finished, I think, on like a 19-23 run and lost their, uh, really lost what could have been uh, their playoff race to, what was their playoff race to lose? And they did. Um, So that's concerning, but also... You know, it's easier to say a slow start is oh, new manager, and like you look at the, the the bad finish. But to be fair, also that could be a lesson learned as well. He hasn't, Forney hasn't been doing Atlantic League rosters. Um, there's some lessons in, you know, late season drop off that couldn't be resolved earlier in the year that maybe he would know to do now. They didn't know to do year one. Mm. So I'm going to not read into that too much. Is I. Definitely more than anything. And look, I've been traveled to every good rivalry between teams in Indie Bowl, but I've been struck by how uh, like deep and knowledgeable the rivalry seems between Lancaster and York in the way of the fans are really into it and the organizations Mm -hmm. do seem into it. uh, But I do think the fans are really into it. And and I think those are also good markets to have fans on board. They, I think they seem to be a little more integral in the way the organizations operate. yeah, he's going to want to, you're, you're going to want to take out Lancaster and having Lancaster beat you two years in a row and then win the championship is tough. Yeah. So that's not a good look. And I know, you know, year one's not on him and then it was his first year. But yeah, I think if I would not put it past York to maybe do a little bit of very specific roster construction to sort of counter some guys that they're struggling with on the Lancaster side. Um, I will and say- maybe. Yeah, yeah. Just roster construction wise, I don't have a single York player getting picked up at the eighty-two contract. So. Yeah, at the eighty-two contracts purchased, not a single one's York. So maybe I missed somebody in there. I don't believe I did, but that's that kind of speaks to the, like. I can't tell if it's that they he went out and got guys that he knew would stay the whole year, and that explains why there was a consistent result across the board, or if it's 
he lacked the big guy to break it open that teams would want to have. And even if you only had him for two or three weeks, if that flips the result of one game to a win, hey, you're in the playoffs. Right. Um, yeah. And it's just looking at the roster the way it is, too. I mean, they had a great year of um, Trent Jambrone mm. or Jambroni. Never got a hard answer on that one. Um, but he played well, and that was kind of out of nowhere for him. So there's that's going to be worth looking. Is that a is that a forny thing, or is that a he found something when he came to the league out of affiliated ball? Um, might have just been the vibe change they needed, change the scenery. Um, <clears throat> Ryan January had a good year. It was semi out of nowhere. I mean, you know, his average wasn't very high, but like his OPS was great, and he was hitting some bombs, and he just kind of was clutch when they needed him to be. Uh, that was sort of a, a random find. So it, it, I, I wonder, like, with some of these guys, my point being, was this what they saw or was this what they could get? And it happened to work out. Uh, another fair. one, uh, the obvious one is Drew Mendoza. Drew Mendoza played 123 games for them last year, raked 346, 437, 561, almost a 1.0 OPS. Gross. Um, and before that, he was hitting 200 in Wilmington, high A. Like what? <laughs> Where'd that come from? I mean, his career high A batting average was two fifteen, with a one sixty in thirty four games in double A. Like, I had to see it, something there. Yeah. So, is this a change of scenery? Is it uh, Forney works well with those guys? Is it it just clicked and the pitchers didn't have the book on them? And we'll see how it goes this year. I don't know. So, it's definitely a big show me here because there were some question marks. But if those guys are legit, are what they think, and they can build around that, that's a big win. And that's exactly what you want to see, especially when you look at guys like Nelly Rodriguez, who continues to do the damn thing. Um, and a uh, pitching staff, which, by the way, uh, I've always been a big fan. Uh, this is even predating Rick Forney coming in. I've been a fan of York's pitching. I feel like they're usually middle of the road, but they always yeah. have some like uncomfortable matchups uh, from the bullpen. The problem with the bullpen is, like so many others, it's depth. And and York always feels like they have one or two guys that just do not belong in the starting rotation, which is something that they need to figure the hell out um, because it's you're not going to get it done. Like, again, talk about the importance of not choking down the stretch. Just a stopper. Just somebody who is not going to get bounced from three innings. But they, they also had crazy injuries, too. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm remembering all this now as we go. Like They had a lot of injuries. Like They had Fair. someone pitching in the one game that I feel like had never started before or something like that because they just were out of pitchers straight up. Denson Hull was starting, yes. not a starter. Yeah. Like, they had a lot of injuries. Like This team probably, I mean, could have been a 75-win team if they were healthier, I would say almost certainly we're a 75 win team. I mean, that puts well, them nine to get there. Long Island. Yeah. So that's, I mean, you know what? Looking back, like it's a far more optimistic vibe. I think you saw some slot guys fill in. You saw some, the usual suspects play well, fit in the new system, which is what you worry about. You're, you're, you know, experienced guys who play well with the new manager all of a sudden falling off a cliff. I think there's a lot to build on. I think this was encouraging. It was, while it might not have felt like a positive because one, you didn't get to the playoffs and you should have sucks. Uh, and two, Lancaster did what Lancaster does. Realistically, I think this was a, a plus year for them. This was a net positive, And I think they, uh, 
in my early projections right now, I have them as the favorite to win the division. I could definitely say uh, there's a way to it. I mean, like that's the thing. I, I don't feel like they're far off. Mm-hmm. I am curious to see what the second year under Rick is like. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, I agree. an indicator for more there. I do want to correct one thing I said earlier. I had a couple months mixed up. Going back to the contract data, because I pulled up, obviously, for the York thing. It's 15 contracts in May, 24 in June, 4 in July. So that gate kind of slammed shut more in the beginning of July as mm-hmm. opposed to the beginning of August. And yeah, that would track. Yeah, which then also kind of lines up with going back to Lee Island just very briefly, why they were under 500 in that second half. If you realize, like, oh, the writing's on the wall now for mm. the entire second half, because if I remember right, second half started on either the 5th or 7th of July last year. I know it was that first week. I just don't remember the exact date. I feel like 4th of July was involved. I'm not sure if that was this year or last year, but minor detail really it's hard to wake up in the second half when you realize oh I'm not getting out of here yeah yeah I agree um man dude that's slide they even York showed some fight late I'm just I finally I've been messing with this for a while I finally got just graphed out real quick Mm. um I mean they did show some fight it's just yeah that fall off that high point of uh, game eighty four was there. Yeah, I mean they had a six nineteen winning percentage before they started that that decline, and it's just that's right when Lancaster got hot. Man, Lancaster won so many games late. It's just yeah. that's brutal. It's tough, and it it, it's just in. bad timing, you know. And in that happens, I feel like we see that a lot in the Atlantic League, where it's just such a small season when you break it down by half. It's just. It can go wrong. It one bad week, and all of a sudden you're like, "Wow, that's oh, we're we're in second. I can't believe yeah. this." It just uh, goes south so quickly. It really does. I'm just trying to remind myself what that uh, because Lancaster had that ridiculous run at the end of the year too. So I want to credit them too because it's not just like oh York choked. It was like no, they got hot. They got really hot. Um, they were 53 and 60. At the end of the year, 62 and 62. Went nine and two down the stretch to get it done. Yeah. Damn. Damn. Two that teams sucks. that, yeah. Two teams that really weren't necessarily in it, but I think are worth uh, discussing. Uh, Southern Maryland to start off with. I don't really know what to, to make of that. Big regression year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not having Brasino definitely goes into that. Yeah. Andre Scrub did a good job to fill in as much as he could. Yeah. You know, Hell yeah, just, there was no offense, as always. Yeah, and that's where I'm kind of like, um, uh, what do we think of this? Like, because it seems to stagnate every year, like, kind of the same way. It gets good, but it's never great. Um, that's My- a seven and seventeen run by York, by the way. That's why it was so bad so quickly there. Anyway, um, it, it, but- it, yeah, go go ahead, and then my, yeah, my there's overall, so many angles. Yeah, my overall thought always has been revolving around the Blue Crabs is they're like that. Every league has one team where in the off season going in every year, people go, "It's their year." There was so much positive to build off of last year, and they came so close, they just couldn't quite get it done because you know X thing happened. Someone overperformed, someone underperformed, whatever it may be. But this is the year. 
Like for a while in the NHL, it was either Florida or Carolina, and it has yet to really be either year. Any case, uh, not important. Yeah, it's really semantics. It's, it, it, the point is they're that they're that team where every year in the offseason, you look at them and go, look, they have a couple really good bullpen guys. They have Daryl back, and he's always going to be solid. Then there's a couple other pitchers they got here. You know the pitching's going to be good. And this time, look, they went out and they got Braxton Lee. They got, you know, Walansky. They got whomever else it may be. They got three or four bats now. And really, if we feel good about them keeping that ERA around three for most games here, take the blowouts out of the equation. They can win their like 80 games, and as long as they win like 40 and one half, they're gonna cruise. And then it doesn't work out that way, or they yeah. lose the main offensive production, and then they, they don't have an answer. So, for me, it just always feels like they look better on paper than they actually wind up being. So, I never really have this expectation of them making the postseason. Because they just never quite get the job done. And I don't know why that is. I mean, like the, the analytical answer or analysis wise answer, rather, it's not really analytic answers. They don't score enough runs. The other team scores more runs than they do because in a league where there's a DH, pitchers can't put up runs for you. They can prevent runs. That's their job. And you can't stop everything. You're not going to have a hundred plus shutouts in a year. So, I kind of come back to that, that I think they almost invest too much in pitching. But at the same point in time, it's like, just because you're investing in pitching doesn't mean you're not investing enough in offense. If you can't get the batters, you might as well get the pitchers and try to win that way, even if it hasn't been working. You know? So I kind of wind up there, which I will say, unrelated. Are we thinking Daryl Thompson's reaching the end of the line, or is there still another 10 years in that arm? Uh, I mean, I think he, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if this is the year. Um, I think, I think it's he, an ultimate year. I think he has this year and one more, but you might be right. And, and I'm not totally aware of where he is with some record conversations. So that could be it. Um, don't worry. The Atlantic yeah. doesn't know either. Oh, good Lord. I know. Um, yeah, it's. I don't know. Um, I feel like last year he had the injury issues, so it's not going to be, you know, he's definitely going to be determined to give it a go and get a good year. And I don't know. I, I wrestle on that with the diminishing return that Southern Maryland seems to get when it comes to uh, the pitching because they, on both offense and the on the pitching side, they tend to go with a non and will be no flashy signings, just yeah. like guys that they identify, which is impressive. I like it. It's a great way to go about it. Stan seems to be great at it. Um, it it's, it's a methodology that I can appreciate and respect. The problem is it, it for a long time, they were finding guys and they were improving them. And re, they, they were either finding great guys or finding guys who are just like, you know, okay but they saw something and they were able to bring it out of them and they created a good staff together and i feel like it's just becoming harder and harder the further they get from um the matt latos years now the yeah. uh daryl thompson dominant years and things like that it's just getting harder to piece it together and I mean, you say that like you it, didn't just from pitcher of the year like two years ago no i agree but 
we saw last year without him as yeah, present what it can yeah. look like. And we saw that bullpen really struggle without Brasino and Latos. And even though they had some guys who did step up, they still were not having the answers. But in the end, they it just didn't feel like they had the offense to compete. I mean, it, it really comes down to the offense because you mm. can afford to have the pitching not on it every single night. Um, it, it still is a bullpen that I don't feel good about if you're down the seventh inning. The problem is they're not putting teams down in the seventh inning a lot because the offense just doesn't deliver in, in that way. And that's something that they need to start figuring out what their approach is. And, you know, are they, I mean, again, it's Braxton and Khalil Lee. Like those are their guys with real, you know, leg, you know, headline grabbing experience here. I mean, they, we talked about it in the preview. I remember Casey Hobson was like their big signing to build around and he hit a 185. Yeah. Like he was never going to be so. that guy. So I like, like we, Casey Hobson's great, but like he was yeah. not going to be that guy. That's not fair to ask of him. Yeah. Um, Alex Crawls beats a stud and he continues to deliver. And that should be talked about probably more than it is. Um, and, but other than that, I mean, there's not, there's just so many holes in the lineup, man. Like, yeah. like Khalil Lee, Braxton, they're headlining things. Ryan Hogg was He's wild. Yeah. Jimmy Kerrigan uh, coming over was good for his 40 games. Yeah, that was good. Uh, but then you get into some guys who they feel more like role players or um, platoon options. And, yeah, like Ian Yetsko, know, one of those guys. Ian Yetsko, who has really good moments. He can see he's a good ball player. It's that, yeah, but when you're relying on him day after team, day but... to be delivering, it's, yeah. it's a lot to ask. Michael Baca, he's great, but again when you're really leaning a lineup on guys like him day to day and it, it not to not to like shade any of them it's just that is a no. lot of weight to put on a player and there's only a handful of those players in any league who can do that and i just don't think they have it i mean we talk about khalil and braxton kind of being the 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 cream of the crop here plus ryan hogg but like nobody's over 900 ops wise which i i don't i can quick pull what that looks like but I don't think they have anybody in the top 20 OPS wise in the league among qualified hitters. Like it's it just, um, you know, yeah. it's not yeah, and then also guys last year that did solid regressed heavy guys like David Harris. I look at, right. Or they didn't keep it up. And that's a problem there. Another guy that I think is kind of the same Alex Crosby mold or not Alex Crosby, Michael Baca role rather is a Phil Caulfield, you know, mm, former yeah, uh, real cap. Yeah, he's, again, solid player, but, you know, need a little bit more than solid. Yeah, they don't have enough guys where you can reliably have all of them hitting at once and really start putting together, you know, a painful game for their team's pitching. Uh, yeah, the, they don't have a single batter in the top 27 in OPS this season. That's a problem. That's crazy. That is crazy. Um, and the more I look at this bullpen here, the more I'm work. like, yeah, I'm like, uh, Pachu's good, Scrub's good, Rendon was solid, Fuller wasn't bad. I like Fuller actually. Um, Isaac Matson, while he was here, was doing well, but then he got his contract purchased, and then it kind of it falls off. So realistically. 22 games of Fuller, 25 games of Rendon, 26 games of Scrub, and 34 of, uh, of Pecho or Pechu. Yeah. Um, 
that's not quite they enough. got good results they got good results out of Liam O'Sullivan um, yeah starting yeah. delivered while he was there um Mackenzie Mills was had moments but struggled it, it Neil like and then you start getting Spencer into, Johnston like, though Spencer Johnston came no, up in his uh, yeah course, yeah Agreed. And he just he was wasn't great. going deep um, in starts. Kahaloa had a ridiculous stretch at one point. I think early uh, he was great, but you know faded a bit. But really, he innings, um, which hell, I I assume the Rainham Act they better be 143 Everybody Ks and 151 innings. Awesome. Yeah. But um, but yeah, it, once you have the bullpen, they had the situation where like they kind of had seven, eight, nine figured out, but the in between was just yeah, it was, you need it was dicey. Yeah, they needed a guy to get him six innings. You need to go six as a starter. Right. And I, I, the big thing to me is you said every year you look at this team and go, they got shot. This past year, I just looked back at my projections. No, I did not. I had them as fourth, third in the division, but like barely over Southern Maryland or over Staten Island, rather. Here's why I remember this is one of the discrepancies that we had. Between uh, you and my predictions, and then Will was kind of like, "Yeah, he's whatever." But it was one of those situations where it's like, "I'm never going to doubt Daryl Thompson. He's proven it too many times for me to doubt him." And I was like, "There's still a good enough pitching team to get you into contention. If you can be the third best team in any division, that just means you're hanging around and you're one really good week away from timing it up right." I, if I recall right, I never loved their batting, and that's why I was like, I'm not going to bank on them. But their pitching is what gets me every year. I fall for it. But, yeah. And I yeah. will say, their go-at-least six-inning strategy has worked in the past, and I think part of the reason why Daryl's, you know, had to slow down a bit and had issues this year more so than past years He's coming off of throwing 186 innings during the regular season, plus another 48 in Winter League, and then he was in another Winter League where he threw six innings. And again, I mean, his issues weren't arm issues, but that's a lot to put on your legs, yeah. which is what I think it was a knee is what it seemed to be. So it, it's, it's just a lot. Your whole body is just to do all that plus travel and all that, and then you compound that with – Oh, wow. Actually, like the pandemic probably extended his dominant streak because the year before that 2019 season, he threw almost 200 innings. Yes, exactly. And and that's the thing, too, is he's throwing a lot better, of better. Dude, I know it's incredible. Nearly um, 3000. innings. It's so many innings. And that's so 2022, he threw 186, 169 in 2021. That was the shorter season. Yeah. 2019, it was up at 192. I mean, I mean, it's uh Innings like we really haven't seen in the Atlantic League, at least, you know, in the modern era. You haven't really it's, seen him in Major League, to be quite honest. Among frankly, no. No. Yeah. If you look at like who has thrown the most innings of professional baseball uh, since the pandemic in, in the U.S., I mean, Thompson's got to be up there, even with uh, probably the shortened season this year. Like, Yeah, he's still throwing 108 innings. Yeah, which and is that's not the thing, nothing. too. That's the great thing about Daryl is you can look at it and say, so he was so consistent in 2018. So, oh my God, look at this. All right, hold on, hold on, hold on. So this is uh, one, two, three, four, five. So five consecutive seasons with an ERA in the threes. Um, as I said, eating innings. But the nice thing is he can have a season if he were to have a regression where he 
he is yeah giving up more runs but he's still eating innings which is allowing you to either rest guys or get to the bullpen or whatever it's allowing you to survive and that is a roster construction that southern maryland has that works with that however it got exposed when he was out and you start to realize okay without that now we have an extra realistically call it 80 innings to fill like and there's they don't have that and you know, we've seen them lean on guys too heavily before and it starts to get a little bit dicey. And I think it, it happened just earlier this year and they couldn't hang longer. Yeah. I mean, that's the problem. It really is. It's just, it's such a, such a workload. And like, he's been this way his whole career too. I mean, you look at it from 2012 on, he had one, two seasons where he's not at at least a hundred innings. Mm. So like I, at that same point, I can't really, fault you when like over a realistically 10 year stretch he has like what one two inning two years where uh, he's not giving you at least 100 innings so you can reliably say I mean even if you take like let's start in 2013 where you had the 124 innings he reaches 120 every year but this past year 2018 and 2015 yeah yeah so like you you're basically saying okay he's going to give us 20 starts reliably 20 starts every time so you figure 20 starts it's pretty much spread that six innings out. a pop that'll be 120 innings yeah that's if he just goes six and he's usually good for seven a lot of nights exactly and stretch that out over how many months mm-hmm. four months worth of starts right there about three and a half four months so that gets you through damn near the whole season if he's just doing the bare minimum yeah so survive september is pretty much what the objective is but <laughs> Yeah, so they're they're an interesting situation there. So looking back on them, I mean that's bad bad batting, and the pitching just wasn't enough to pick them up here. Uh, it's kind of fitting that we end with Stan Island here. I think mm-hmm. is a safe place to go to. This is a team I genuinely thought was going to be better than they were. Right, like I yeah. thought there was a real chance they could take a step, do better because they had a good second half in year one. As like they could build on this, they didn't quite have that. In uh, in year two, 22 and 41, that first half, and 27 and 34. Technically, they're better, one better, but more on the manager number three coming up. But this isn't a look forward, it's a look back. I thought Homer did a, a better job than Fonzie did, right? I mean, at the same point in time, though, bad pitching, bad batting, there really wasn't too much here. Yeah, um, it took a little bit of time for them to figure out what they were doing there. Um, I mean, just looking at it, they did have, I mean, they had a, the hard truth of it is, I mean, they had a hard, a hot start. Um, hmm. The first like 20 games or so looked pretty good. And then just like kind of fell into a rut of sitting around like winning a one out of every three or four games. And then they really picked it up around like 70 games in. I can pull what their record was after that point, but um Yeah, I mean, they showed promise, but I'm not certain that it is. They remind me of the team. There's still a lot of work to do. Yeah, they remind me a lot of the Railcats, to be honest with you. Hot start and then cooled off and then they hung around a bit because they would have been in the same boat as Gary pretty much if they had the similar uh, playoff system. Yeah, um, maybe, which is kind of wild to think about. Yeah. I mean, at one point they went on a twelve and four stretch, and they did it over a time when they played. 
Yeah, I remember this. They went 12 and 4 one point over a stretch where they played Lancaster, Lancaster, and then they went three with High Point three with Southern Maryland and then four with Charleston and then Spire city. So they beat the teams they had to beat, but they also got some quality wins out of that. And that's what, and we talked about this during the year. That's what the bigger thing is with them. It's they used to lose to everybody. You would go in, if they went in to a, a series against one of the top two teams in the league, you go, they're getting swept. End of story this was year one and then you, they would play a lesser team and be like well hopefully they win one of these three this year they were reliably winning series against teams that were you know not one of the top teams in the league mm-hmm. uh, and they were stealing games occasionally winning a series off of other teams too that were like again like the high points and that's something that you want to see i don't know that they are exactly the level of competitiveness still to they're not consistent so it's a weird one where they're still one of the worst offenses in league they're still one of the worst pitching staffs in league however they now have a team they have a core where they can kind of put together enough pitching and enough offense to actually you know if if they're hitting at the same time they're good Uh, year one they were notorious for they would lose 10 to 1 9 to nothing and then the uh or, or that's it. They would lose like one nothing, two nothing, and then the offense would show up, and they would lose like fifteen to thirteen. You're like Jesus. Yeah. Like yeah, just, this one was more. They, it clicked a little bit more often. Yeah. And I'm looking here, and like offensively, I'm not kind of surprised that like Jack Elliott didn't get picked up. Each 24 season, decent numbers, to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like 18 home runs is a solid number there. We he's one we might see go if he has a hot first week. I, yeah, he definitely feels like because Chris Brito was in the kind of the same boat here. He only he was twenty three, got fifty three games and was very good to start, and then gone. So that dude, how good was Yoshi when he came over for that Yo, like couple weeks? That was Yoshi wild. It's his twelve games. It's nearly four hundred. Slugs nearly a thousand. Atlantic League like, gone. I was like, okay, dude. I was like, yo, she's about to just drive. It's going to be like Hideki Matsui on this level. Just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Justin Williams is a dude I totally forgot about, but had a good 21 games. Like these guys on here that were really unsung. Like Luis Castro was another solid player from, you know, like that's the kind of guy you can have in your lineup and will do a lot good. And then Angel Aguilar, dude, like I don't think we've talked about him enough. He just slides under the radar. Yeah, he's a ball player. Yeah, and, nearly uh, a thousand. Like, bro, this dude's solid. Twenty-three bombs. Yeah, Chris Brito steals. He, you know, he does it. Like, he gets after it. Yeah, he doesn't even strike out that much. I mean, like, it's a little bit higher than I'd like, but not that bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, it's they. That's what I said. Like, there were no highlights here. One, um, yeah. the only one was sent home like two weeks in the season because he didn't get along with the manager. Um, this year. Dude, this felt like uh, this was like okay. I see what we're doing here, and maybe this is a slow build type of thing. And and if that's the case, I do think Mark could be an interesting fit here. Again, we're not looking forward to looking back, but it, I think they made the steps they need to make. I think they got what they could out of Homer Bush. I think they did make the right call moving on, though. I think yeah. they they know they need something a little bit yeah. a little more experienced with that. So I'm excited to see. I think they got what they could out this year, and I'm happy yeah. about it for them. Yeah. I would agree with that, and I do think pitching wise. If they can bring back really these four guys, and I don't know how feasible it is to get them all back, but these are the four I would really would like to get back bullpen wise. 
Williams Ramirez is very good at the bullpen. Mm-hmm. Very yep. good. Same thing with Andrew Gross. I'd like to get those guys back. If you can get them back, they're not going to give you too many innings, but they're solid eight, nine guys, seven, eight, nine guys. I like them there. Chris Capuano needs to be back in my mind. Mm. This is a dude who's a workhorse for you. 118 innings, 19 starts, 382 with all yeah, things. Yeah, the year under four. Yep. Yeah, that's pretty good. I know records don't he, matter in baseball because there's so much that goes in. I get it. Trust me, I don't love them either. But 10 and four means something. It means they're right. winning games when you take a start. So, like, it, you know, there's something there in a case like this. And Ryan Hartman, former major leaguer, again, ERA under four. Wasn't going deep in games. Only 89 innings and 16 starts. I like a little bit more than that. But still, he's giving you something there. He's giving you about five, six innings a start. So, you know, there's The big there's thing on, there. uh, on uh, Capuan, because I saw a, a number of his outings, was I was, I felt like he, he lost, he had stretches where his control didn't seem as solid. I don't know if it was, yeah, they weren't. He injury, a yeah. but he, I don't know what was going on. I don't want me to say injury. I, I meant to say like injury or, uh, uh, you know, mental thing of like how they were trying to work certain pitches or certain approaches. And it, yeah. they also fall into those weird ruts of you're seeing the same team over and over again. So you have to nitpick a little bit. But the, if he very rarely let go of homers, he kept guys off base pretty well, except for the walks that would, I feel like only it wasn't never really a constant thing. It just felt like there was almost like episodes of it here and there, but that could be me misremembering full disclosure. But he is a guy who I could see him being one where it's like he spends five to seven years in the league and is nasty and possibly gets a stint in affiliated because he really, he'd never gotten a shot in affiliated. And I, and striking out nine per inning, um, over nine per inning over something. his lengthy career. I mean, K's get signings. Is yeah. what it is, and before now, yeah, he was local boy uh, through too. his college career. He was sub two walks per nine. I, I would, I would say he's one to watch, man. Yeah, I mean, like he's that's the thing. He gets better every year. It looks like, mm-hmm. and like he had two bad starts when he first came over, making the transition from college to pro. But uh, I, I do that like happens. him. Yeah, I like him a lot. He local was guy from Vernon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. If not, friggin' uh, Sussex County could steal him. That'd be a coup. He shouldn't do it at all. It'd be bad for his career to do that. But mm-hmm. I don't think he would. I think if you're pitching well in the Atlantic League, there's no benefit you going to the frontier. Exactly. Yeah. But still, I mean, I could just imagine if you got him as a minor, if you're not promoting the kid that grew up quite literally five miles from the stadium, I don't know who you're planning to promote. Mm, yeah, it's true. Local kid, He's, everything Jersey. I mean, like, come on. But, I mean, he looks like a pitcher too. I don't know. Like, that's dumb to say, but like, I don't know. No, uh, that's my kind he, of scouting. That's my know, kind of analysis. I, know. I like the way. But he I was looks. just like, he looks like a big pitcher. dude. Um, I don't know. I, I Mike. He's one of those guys, and it sucks because I've I feel like. He's probably two miles per hour away from being picked up. You know what I mean? He sits yeah. at like 90. If he was sitting at 92, 93, they'd probably grab him already, which is so dumb. But like, it's how it goes. It's just frustrating as hell. Yeah. Well, do we know what his girlfriend looks like? Because that's how we can tell if he's confident <laughs> or not. That would explain the control issues. 
Right. Good Lord. Yeah. Well, man, do yeah. we do this? Yeah, we managed to get through the whole north. So um, I thought it was going to be a quick one. That was on me. That was dumb. Yeah, no, it worked out. I think it was pretty comprehensive and whatnot. We'll do the South Division next week in the Atlantic League, and then we'll move on to other leagues from there. Uh, we will see what next week holds. There's probably going to be something that comes out. Oh, and we also have an interview for next week, too. So that's going to be fun as well. So yeah. we will have Jack Jennings on the show. It was with Lake Country, the Dock Hounds, for last season and possibly this upcoming season. I have to check and see what his plans are. But still, talk to us a bit about how things work in the American Association. So look forward to that, certainly. But um, I think that'll just about do it for the show this week. Well, if you got anything to plug, I guess now's the time to do that. So that way we could hightail it out of here because I'll have about a two and a half hour long show to edit, but at least I have all of Friday to do it and I don't have to scramble to do it on uh, release day, which is nice. Yeah, and I'm going to stay up a little bit, so hopefully I can send it to you tonight. Um, oh, that's good. That you can catch me, Anyball Nation, on uh, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, or TikTok. Going to be posting something there. Probably not tomorrow morning because it's late. But uh, So, yeah, follow me there. Doing whatever the hell. I hope you just do like some of those weird dances and whatnot on TikTok. It is just that. That would be incredible. Uh, just you dressed in different like baseball uniforms. Indie Ball Pod on Twitter, Indie Ball Report everywhere else. I will hopefully have an article up by this time next week, if not by for sure by the end of the month. I know that's an ambitious goal to give myself 19 days from the time this comes out to write an article or make a video, but we got to set realistic goals in this show. And also, I just want to say thanks to the Real Cat Talk podcast for complimenting mm. our show from last week on his show and then plugging our social medias. Didn't have to do it. It's kind of nice that yeah. he did. Hell yeah, man. Love that show. Yeah. Solid. You, I'm sure you're up to date on every episode, too. Oh, no. I'm multiple episodes behind. I'm multiple episodes behind on our podcast, dude. Are you kidding me? So am I. I got like three shows just queued up. Another proud, another, another proud fun factor. I don't know. You think, I'd listen, you think I'd listen to this slop? God. All right. What am I, an idiot? Well, you don't want me to answer that. But, <laughs> uh, any event, until next week, don't forget to play ball. <laughs> <laughs>